Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. What a sweet win it was Saturday in East Lansing. Now it's the bye week and we can get rested for the stretch run to what could be a special season for us. We hope anyway. On our game day segment this week, we welcome back Michigan great Greg Skrepanik with his thoughts on Saturday, the offensive line, and much more. Before that, let's get started with my view from Section 17. Well, we went into East Lansing and dominated our rival. The fireworks before the game have been well documented by now, and you heard what Jim said about it after the game and Monday at his press conference. He's right. The Stormtrooper March, or whatever you want to call it, was in my opinion an orchestrated attempt by the Spartans to try and intimidate us. Try, but it backfired on them. I don't believe for a minute our players were asked to leave the field for the walk. None of the media hanging around documenting the events saw that. Coach D'Antonio, who I do respect in many ways, has said whatever he wants about this rivalry for the better part of 10 years and has been demeaning and insulting in the media and on the field after games. And you know, that's okay. What goes around comes around, and it did on Saturday. I don't think Jim's reaction to what happened was over the top or juvenile. A lot of Michigan fans are saying, you know, it's about time we stood up and said, enough of this crap, we aren't playing these games anymore. I stand with Chase Winovich on this one. I like what he tweeted. I would like to take this opportunity to apologize for nothing. As Chase said after the Wisconsin game, the revenge tour has officially commenced. Let's keep it rolling because there are a few teams we need to check off that list, and you know who they are. Michigan great Greg Skrepanik says there is a lot to like about how we're playing right now, and he thinks the best is yet to come in November. He joins me next on our bi-week game day show here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Back with us on our bye week game day segment of the show is Michigan great Greg Skrepinik. Great to have you on the show. It's been a while, Greg, but uh, wonderful to have you back. Uh, Mike, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Well, what a wonderful weekend in so many ways, Greg. Uh, does it get any better than going into East Lansing and beating Sparty in his place? Well, you know, going down to Columbus might be a little <laughs> better than beating yeah. them, but you know, not really. This is a wonderful time. It's a great victory for Michigan. Um, everything seems to be going in the right direction, and uh, it's just a great win. Well, and there was uh, so much talk about the pregame incident, just as much as there was about the game, it seemed, after uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, you remember Jim called what happened Bush League, and Mark D'Antonio took exception to what Jim said. But really, all it shows is how intense this rivalry is, Greg. No doubt about it. You know, the incident to me is much to do about nothing. Uh, it's just something that happens in a rivalry uh, like this, uh, especially between uh, Michigan State and Michigan. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't really a big deal, but it certainly fired up Devin Bush, I could tell you that. <laughs> it certainly did, and uh, I don't think anyone needed to be fired up much more, but it was interesting. I think the media probably enjoyed it more than uh, anything else. But in the end, uh, we dominated that game. But in the first half, I was starting to get a little nervous because we sure left a lot of points on the field, didn't we? It was, uh, you know, very uh, disappointing to see that they weren't capitalizing. And when, if you're a fan and you've watched these things, it generally happens to, like, if you don't take advantage of that kind of dominance and you leave a team in the game, they're only one play away from, from being back into the game, which Michigan State proved, in the, you know, early in the second half. They got right back into the game on one mistake, one play, and they actually had to rely on a trick play to actually get in the end zone. But we should have had at least uh, several more scores in in the first half. However, that being said, they were dominant. Well, that offensive line play in the second half, outstanding. And I like to give those guys their due. We don't mention their names enough. So Runyon Jr., Bushel Beatty, Ruiz, Bredesen, and Unwayno. They dominated the nation's best rush defense, at least coming into the game, Michigan State was, but dominated them physically in the second half, didn't they, Greg? Well, there's no doubt about it. If you look at the game and the game plan, especially if you're a head coach, uh, even as an offensive line coach, as the game goes on, you want to get more dominant. And you want to exert your will as an offensive line on that defensive front. And it's exactly what the University of Michigan was able to do. And I don't think they, you know, just did it physically. I think they did it by scheme too. In the first half, you know, a lot of the run scheme, run run schemes were more reaching style blocking and getting out to the perimeter and stuff. And then in the second half, they just went after them, you know, right straight up front. And you know, the capper was a nice long drive drive with uh, Mason scoring a touchdown, the fullback taking it up. And that's just for an offensive lineman, it doesn't get much better than that. Well, you know, Greg, whenever we have you on this show, we like to get your take on the offensive line. And it's been a tough go for, let's say, the last eight or ten years to be real positive about what we've been seeing up front. But give us your impressions from the Notre Dame game to what we're seeing now about how much this offensive line has progressed. Well, from the Notre Dame game, I mean, the Notre Dame game is a, is a complete anomaly as to what is, we've got on with this offensive line unit. I mean, it's probably the game that just doesn't make sense. Um, if you look at it, uh, everyone was upset because, not necessarily because they lost to Notre Dame, that's what happens when you play a team of that caliber in the first game of the season. 
but it just didn't seem like we were prepared. It didn't seem like we knew what we were doing. We didn't, we didn't come off the ball. We didn't do much. And, and so it just ended up being one of those games because now the last you know few games, I, I've seen a very good pass-blocking offensive line and one that's getting better in the running game every week. And they proved that against Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State, you know, struggles offensively, but no doubt in defensively, especially against the run game. You know, they are a great defense. And then as the game went on, Michigan just exerted their will on them and, and, and knocked them off the ball and just got yardage and chunks. And so I see that, you know, the, prog- you know, the pro- progress in the running game is each and every week I see that progress. And the past game, the last several games especially, they've been pretty solid. They've been pretty solid. And, and you, you put they combine that with the escapability of Shea Patterson, and, and they've been pretty good up front. Greg, how much credit should Coach Warner get for the improvement we're seeing with this group? Well, I think he has to get a lot of credit. I mean, he, he's the one there. He's the one working with them on a daily basis. And again, as I said before, you know, the scheme has a lot to do with it. I don't understand why a lot of these offenses you know, actually try to hit the perimeter and try to get these stretch plays to cut back and such because defenses, today's defenses, are predicated around speed. You know, our defense is that way. We, we just could get to the ball and we could run people down. In fact, by, by going to the perimeter as much, you, know, you actually play into the, the, you know, into, uh, into the teeth of the defense, the strong point. And so I think, you know, what you've got to attack speed with strength. It's kind of like what Michigan did in the second half. You, know, you just go right at it. You wear it down. You beat it up. You hit it every time you can. And in the scheme itself, like, it's, like I said, it went from more of a perimeter scheme and a stretch scheme to going right at them, where, where offensive linemen could fire off the ball, could, could you know, could double team a little bit, could, could get up to the linebackers right away, and everything was going up the gut. So, uh, I think the scheme has helped a lot, but I just think, you know, being good, positive, I listen to our offensive line coach and what he says, I agree with, you take one step at a time, one thing at a time, and you just progress. And if you look at the seasons, that's exactly what they've done. They take one one day at a time, one step at a time, and they build it up to the point where I don't think they're, especially in the rushing game, where they want to be, but they're continuing to get better, and that's the, that's the good news. Well, I remember one of our, our local writers saying after the Ohio State game last year, Greg, that Michigan was a quarterback away from beating Ohio State and being a very good football team. Now we have Shea Patterson. Do you like the way he's playing back there? Well, he, he's actually coming off probably not his best effort of the season. Right. But the great news against Michigan State is that he made plays when he had to make plays. If you evaluate that position over the last several years, when adversity has hit, you know what? No one has come up to make a play. Even despite, you know, adversity hitting several times in that game and him actually missing a, a few uh, passes, especially one in the end zone, that was, could have been a, a very easy touchdown as he rolled to the right. Shea Patterson has showed great poise, great escapability, and in my opinion, great leadership, and certainly has to be a big difference in the Michigan offense as they've actually improved week by week by week and been able to uh, you know, win and win consistently so far in this season. Do you like some of the wrinkles that uh, we're putting in on offense to uh, in the last few weeks, especially to let him run the ball a little more? Well, there's no doubt that I think today's college football game, you know, today's college football game, I think you have to have a dual-threat quarterback. 
The quarterbacks that actually are very successful on the college level are guys that can run. That doesn't mean that I, you know, that you have to be this you know four 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 three forty guy, and you have to be you know you know this exciting runner you know to juke everybody out of their shoes. No, what it means is that you just have to be able to run the ball on certain times to keep the defense honest. While I do believe Shea Patterson is a very good athlete and can run. He has the ability to throw the ball downfield, but he also has that ability to run to open up your offense, which he has. And we saw that from the Wisconsin game, right, to you know, in the last game against Michigan State, where, you know, it doesn't have to always have those 87-yard runs. Those 5, 10, 15-yard runs keep the defense honest types, back them off a little bit to where they can't constantly blitz all the time. I think it's some, you know, in the past we've kind of got a little vanilla where our quarterbacks weren't able to take off and were more pro-type quarterbacks. And, and uh, you know what, I think defense is just teed up on us. Now, this philosophy might not work in the NFL because the NFL is more of a drop-back passing league and, and, and the speed in the NFL eventually will catch up to a quarterback that runs. However, in the college game, I think it's imperative that you have the ability for the quarterback to at least you know, move move the pocket and be able to get upfield a couple of times to keep defenses honest. And I think Shea has done a wonderful job at that. And so is Jim, you know, and the offensive uh, you know coaches in implementing the game plan into what he does. Well, as we mentioned, the offensive line led the way on Saturday, and at the end of the day, the numbers were very good. Karan Higdon, thirty-three carries for one hundred and forty-four yards. Greg, and you know, when you talk to Michigan fans over the last few years, they'll say. We can't wait till we get a, a big back. Can't wait until we get an elite back. And I say, um, and I've talked to your old teammate Jamie Morris about this. Karan Higdon is an elite back. He is very, very good, isn't he? He has had probably as good a year as running back as anyone in the country. Uh, and what I, I love of him, I think he has great vision and he hits holes very, very hard and fast. He sees where he wants to go and he goes there. There's no nonsense to him. He, and, and he, you know, he understands the scheme and the, you know, and the blocking scheme and the play. And then he just lets everything happen and then finds the hole and goes. And, and that's a nice thing to say. And as much as I'd like to say this, Mike, as the, you know, the offensive line had a great game, it was the defense that was dominant that allowed us to, you know, to win that game and actually actually started us in the right direction to win that game because they completely shut down uh, Michigan State. But that's a good thing because that's probably one of the reasons that Michigan's offensive line has been able to grow because I'm sure in practice those guys go at it every now and again. It only makes both groups better. No, absolutely. There is no argument with that. Sticking with the offense for just another minute, Greg, though, um, as we see and you watch college football on the weekends, not too many teams use a fullback anymore, but we do. And we know Jim loves our fullback, Ben Mason. And he's not a blocker either. He was running, uh, lining up as a, a, a running back, tailback on Saturday. He is one tough dude and developing into a great weapon, isn't he, Greg? Oh, unbelievable. And uh, it capped off by the beautiful touchdown run he had uh, late in that game. But let me tell you something, uh, Mike, and, 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 and let the fans know this, that when Michigan and I talk about offensive line play, mm-hmm. that will always include tight ends and fullbacks. Mm-hmm. They are just positions that are extensions of the offensive line. Now, they do get to touch the ball a little bit, and both positions have been pivotal in our success this year offensively. You know, Jim, you know, is a throwback in a sense, but he also uses those positions to, to carry the ball, to catch the ball, which is a good, you know, it's a good thing. And so as their extensions of our offensive line, their first duty is to block, and then they, they're able to, uh, 
you know, catch and carry the ball, which has been a very big part of our offense. Any concerns about this offense with four games left, what would they be? Well, Bushel Baby got hurt in the Michigan State game, so I would be a little concerned with that. Um, I'm a little concerned sometimes uh, with our inconsistency downfield. Uh, Hopefully, uh, I see Black. I don't know if he dressed this game. I thought he did, Mm -hmm. Uh, but who knows if he's going to be ready. But if he comes back and you sit that and get Nico Collins and People Jones, that just gives us another another threat downfield. Uh, I think that you know that would uh, um, you know just be you know something we could you'll probably improve on a little bit the consistency downfield. But other than that, uh, Mike, I really, uh, if we could keep injury-free and everything you know, keeps going, I like the direction we're going in. Uh, I think uh, Shea needs to, uh, um, I, I think sometimes he wants to be so perfect that, you know, it, it doesn't allow him to give, you know, get to a second, third, maybe fourth reads as, as he goes on because one of his strengths is actually moving out of the pocket and throwing on the run. And in the Michigan State game, he actually missed a few open receivers by not, I don't, I don't think trusting himself. I don't, I don't just think he didn't want to make a mistake, and I, he got a couple of reads, which is a good thing in a sense. But sometimes you just got to let that go. But like I said, uh, other than trying to stay healthy and, and, and continuing to grow, I, I like the direction we're going offensively. With us on our bye week game day segment is Michigan great Greg Skrepinik uh, here to uh, take a look back at a, a wonderful win on Saturday in East Lansing, and uh, of course, what's uh, what is ahead for us. Looking at that defense again, um, Greg, just lights out, as we mentioned on Saturday, and as they have been for most of the season. This is just an amazing group to watch, isn't it? I'll tell you what, from the opening two drives against Notre Dame, you just scratch your head and say, what the heck happened? <laughs> and then you compare it to what's going on now. It's like, then you even say, so really, what happened during those first couple drives against Notre Dame? But they certainly have been like, so this is, you know, this is what we expected. And they're certainly living up to those expectations. And Coach Brown does such a wonderful job of getting those guys ready. And he's such a fiery guy. And you, could, you, you, you understand, if you ever met him, you understand why his players are so fiery. <laughs> because they adapted the personality of their defensive coordinator. And, you know, and if you actually did meet him, you'll know exactly why Devin Bush uh, acted the way he did. And he had the emotions. Because he's an emotional, uh, emotional guy. And that's part of the game, especially on defense. You have to be an emotional person. Although, if you ask me, you know, I should have probably said this before, too, about what would concern me. Penalties concern me. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that uh, – this is the curious thing about the game, Mike, is that we actually had more penalty yardage than Michigan State had you know, offensive yardage. Right. That, that is crazy to think about, that we actually won the game the way we did with having more penalty yardage than Michigan State's had total offense. I think we had like 99 yards of the penalties. They had 94 yards in total offense. That is a crazy, crazy stat that you will not see very often. No. But that's the only thing I think defensively that has hurt us a lot. And a lot of those penalties have been uh, uh, personal, you know, personal penalties, you know, personal conduct penalties, which, you know, people, you know, our defenders, while I love to see the emotion, they got to learn to control it so that to the point where it doesn't affect us defensively. Well, on that defense, of course, it would be nice to get Rashawn Gary back for the home stretch. But uh, in the meantime, Quiddy Pay and Josh Uche are really stepping up in his absence, aren't they, Greg? Oh, there's no doubt about it that, you know, the defense um, has really picked it up. Of course, we would all love to see Gary in there because he just adds another dimension to the defense that allows, 
you know, everyone else to be freed up. But the, the replacements and the backups have come in there and played admirably, actually played at a high level. And, you know, one of the reasons you want to Gary in there is because it frees other people up because they have to pay attention to a Rashawn Gary. Well, guess what? We've been getting that kind of play from, you know, the people who filled in. But that's a Michigan staple. That has been a Michigan staple since I played, where Shem Meckler would always tell us. He said, listen, guys who go in will play better than the guys who were there before them. And that's the mindset that you had to have, and it looks like the Michigan defense has had that mindset. Where they get their opportunity, they're going to go in there and they're going to play the best of their ability, which is right now the high, the high at a very, uh, a very, very good pace. And it's nice to see, and it's really uh, something that has been happening actually for the last few years. You know, no one says much about Rashawn Gary's injury. I think Jim mentioned a couple of weeks ago it was an AC joint injury. From your experience, is that the kind of thing that is just very, very slow to heal? Well, you know, it, it, it varies per person. It's one of those things where, you, you know, you have to evaluate it, you know, um, not only from a medical standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint. And, you know, for some, you know, for me and you, it might be different for Rashawn. And, and it's one of those things that will nag you all the time. And it's one of those things that, uh, when it does nag you, it's just something very difficult to deal with. So he'll know when he's ready to come back. I'm hoping it's sooner than later because, uh, you know, this week off should help us with that. And so he gets an extra week, but we need him, you know, we'll definitely need him down the stretch run here, starting with Penn State and then, you know, moving forward. And you definitely want him back for the Ohio State game. But as I said before, you know, the defense hasn't really you know, skipped the beat without him although we definitely want him back. Well, after eight games, if you have a weakness or a concern, it's it's evident by then. But, you know, when I watch this defense, Greg, I can't find really one thing. The penalties, as we mentioned, gotta, we've got to cut those out. But other than that, I can't think of one item that worries me about this defense. Well, if there's one problem, I'm sure the defense coordinator would say that we have been a little vulnerable to some big plays. We've given up way too many more big plays than we should have. And, uh, you know, that's one, because it's the aggressive nature of our defense. But two, sometimes um, guys have uh, been out of place. And so that would be that would probably be the only concern. And that's stuff that you handle yourself. That's, you know, that's an actually a very, very fixable problem, um, you know, where, you know, when you're maybe having uh, some uh, missed assignments, then you know it's not the other team that's so much beating you, but it's yourself, and it's easier to um, to correct. So that would be a little concern. Of course, the penalties, but the defense is as good as it gets in the, in the country. Um, I like to see uh, probably a little bit more in uh, sacks and tackles for losses. I think sometimes we let some guys off the hook a little bit, but we seem to be gang tackling, which was a, another Michigan staple for as long as I can remember. People are getting to the ball. Chase Winovich is, is just having a phenomenal year. And I think he's the catalyst of the defense. He, along with Devin Bush, Devin Bush could just run you down. You look at him, and, he, you know, from a height perspective, he's not very tall. But, man, he goes from side to side, and he will step up, and he will hit you. Winovich will just, you know, he just constantly, he's like the energizer bunny, and he constantly goes. And you feed off those two guys, and the defense just, you know, just, uh, just, Goes, you know, plays with extreme high intensity, which again is, you know, kind of their coach's personality too. Mm-hmm. But they just don't stop. And even, you know, even when they have uh, bent a little bit, they very rarely broken. And that's a great thing to say because they actually, um, 
recover and they handle their adversity well. So it's a great thing to see. Well, after the bye week this week, Penn State pays a visit to the big house and they've, uh, since the Ohio State game, they've uh, they've had their struggles. But do you like how we match up with the Nittany Lions right now, Greg? Yeah, Penn State is nobody to take lightly. They're still a very good football team. Uh, from the, some of the reports that I've heard coming out of uh, Penn State, uh, there's some uh, a little division. I'm hearing that the uh, the new last two recruiting classes don't get along well with the upperclassmen, and that's not a, a good sign. But you don't, you know, a game against Michigan and a win against Michigan could bring that back, you know, together for them. I think defensively they're not as strong as years past, and of course offensively, Trace McSorley is a quarterback that's very capable, and he's all he has done is won since he's been there. And, and um, I don't think they really have. Uh, as many weapons as they had before, like last year, the weapons they had, but they certainly have uh, a lot of speed in the backfield and they certainly can make things happen. And again, Mike, one thing we have to realize is when teams play Michigan, they're always going to give their best effort. You know, we have been a red letter game on everybody's uh, schedule for a long time, uh, especially, you know, you know, when, you know, we were down a little bit, uh, you know, teams just want to beat Michigan. That's how it is. I mean, that's what, you know, that's the program that we've created. And it's a good thing, you know, you know, that we want the best effort from everybody. At the same time, we have to be up week after week after week to take on these teams' best shot. But, yeah, you can't take Penn State lightly. They haven't certainly had uh, the season uh, that they want to, but they're a very dangerous team, and they they definitely going to be psyched out for to play Michigan. No, absolutely, that is going to be a big game if we can get them and take care of business against Rutgers and Indiana. Then it's down to Columbus for the game, and Ohio State looks uh, to me like they almost peaked in September. Greg, they have such a, a ton of talent. Yes, they have injuries, but they have four and five stars coming in, backing up those injuries. But over the last three weeks, they have looked very beatable, and of course, they were thumped on Saturday in West Lafayette. Mike, quite frankly, I thought they were overrated going into the game. I think uh, number two was definitely too high. Not that they couldn't actually be there eventually. I just think that they haven't played that kind of football consistently over the entire uh, year. They probably should have lost to Penn State. Credit them with actually coming back in that game, but Penn State outplayed them. Uh, but, you know, Ohio State did come come away with the uh, the victory and Against Purdue, they were just outplayed in every phase of the game. And you got to just understand, Purdue, while they've come on the last you know several games, the first three games, they lost to Eastern Michigan. One of the games they lost was Eastern Michigan. They lost to Northwestern, which by you know Northwestern Northwestern's a good you know team, but certainly uh, not having the year that they they wanted to have uh, at this point. So, I mean, Purdue has had their struggles, too, but they've done a wonderful job of coming back, and they completely dominated that game against Ohio State. I don't think I've ever seen Urban Myers on the sideline as puzzled as he was ever in his career as he was during that game. I mean, he just didn't know what to do. And and talk about mistakes, I think one of the biggest turning points in that game was when their defensive tackle ends up roughing a kicker uh, on a punt, giving Purdue – a first down, and then on the pursuing um, on the pursuing drive, they score a touchdown, which starts you know starts the rally. I think at the time they were only down fourteen six. So yeah, they've completely got outplayed. They are struggling. You know, when they lose Bosa, they not only lose a great defensive player and arguably one of the best in the country, if not the best. Uh, they lost his leadership. 
And I think right now that that team is struggling to find leaders. Uh, I think you heard Herb Street say the same exact thing. If you did watch the game mm -hmm. on, on Saturday night, is that uh, you know, there's no go-to leaders right now in that team. But I do know this, that Urban Myers is a very good coach. I do know that he will right the wrongs. And I do know that come, you know, come four weeks that they will definitely be ready to play Michigan. So uh, we were getting a little too ahead of ourselves right now, even thinking about it. But you know what? I'm always of the ilk that you know, Coach Schembeck used to ask us, what, you know, what are we doing today to beat Ohio State? And if you're doing that, you're going to prepare the best you can for anybody you play. So there's always that in the back of your mind. But we need to take care of Penn State first. And, and when the Ohio State game comes, we'll, you know, we'll be ready. Well, a final question for you, Greg. Uh, from your perspective with this team defensively and offensively, do you think the best is yet to come as we head down the home stretch in November? Oh, I believe so. I believe so. Every coach, is, uh, you know, every coach coaches with the idea of getting better every week. And uh, if you look at our team, they are getting better every week. And while we had such an impressive win against Wisconsin, I believe most people who are football people understood that the bigger game and the bigger challenge was going to go to East Lansing to play Michigan State there. Uh, we struggled on the road against ranked opponents over the last several years, and to play that game and to be as dominant as we were um, is a big statement. It's a very big statement. And probably the score isn't really indicative of really how the game went. Probably should have been another uh, seven to ten to fourteen points on the board. So uh, yeah, they're they're getting better every week. I think the best football is yet to come. You have to understand now. Uh, Shea Patterson has only been in the system, you know, since the spring, and he's just starting to catch his stride. He's just starting to you know understand the offense. He's just starting to you know get to know everybody and get to you know be with everyone. What some of these other guys have been with each other for years. So I mean, he's only going to continue to get better defensively they just seem to be getting better every week i mean come on when you hold a michigan state team regardless of what's going on offensively to less than 100 yards not rushing not passing but total offense you are doing something now mike i don't know how much more you improve on that but i'm sure uh, you know, coaches are, are are finding ways, and know there's ways areas they can improve, especially on on the penalties and such. So I do believe that you know the the um, you know the next four games, the best football is yet to come. And you know we're right, right in the thick of things. We're right in the thick of things. We're right where we want to be. We control our own destiny, and and it's been a wonderful season so far. And hopefully it'll continue. And I have every uh, the utmost confidence that it will and that the Michigan fans will be uh, happy when it's all said and done. Our guest on our game day segment during the bye week has been Michigan great Greg Skrepinick. Always wonderful to have you on the show, Greg. We appreciate the time and your insight into the game, and we look forward to the next visit. Well, Mike, thank you very much. It's been uh, it's always a, a pleasure being on your show. I think you have a great insight of, of Michigan football, and, and really, uh, game by game, you really uh, have a great perspective on things and i'm happy to be here and as always go blue quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on the michigan man on wolverine sports radio a member of the v sporto network and in partnership with sb nation's maze and brew
On Quick Hits today, at his Monday presser, Jim said he is not sure when Rashawn Gary will return. He said Rashawn practiced last week but did not feel he could play. He did not travel with the team to East Lansing on Saturday. There has been speculation in the media that he might do what Bosa did at Ohio State and shut it down for the season. No one knows that for a fact, pure speculation at this point. Jawan Bushel Beatty was also injured in Saturday's game and his status was not updated. Other than that, it appears we enter the bye week in pretty good shape for the stretch run in November. James Hudson will be leaving the program. The announcement was made on Monday night. No word as to why he is leaving right now, as he appeared to have a bright future. I suppose it's better that it happens now so that we have the extra scholarship to use before the December signing period. We've moved up to number five in the polls and now have a very clear path to everything we want this season. It is setting up to be a November to remember, we hope anyway. Thanks again to Michigan great Greg Skrepanek for taking time to join us this week. On Thursday's visitor segment, my guest will be Nicole Arbach from The Athletic. She is the National College football writer for them, and we'll get her thoughts on the season to date and what's happening around the country in college football. So until Thursday, have a great Wolverine bye week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!